everybody, welcome to Season 2 of the BG Waterfowl Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Zach Hopper. Thank y'all for tuning in. All right, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the BG Waterfowl Podcast. I was just telling my guest here, I think I have to apologize every time I get on here for being gone for so long, but uh, we got a big operation going on here, and, you know, the numbers are limited, so kind of got my hands and everything, but uh, today's episode, I got Mr. Hunter Helms with me, and uh, he's been up here, and we've been chatting just about a little bit of everything, I believe, and uh, just we're both looking forward to this duck season. I think we're making each other more and more impatient by the amount of <laughs> talking that we've done. But uh, without further ado, I'm going to let Mr. Hunter Helms introduce himself and kind of give his background and his history in waterfowl. Yeah, man, I, I've, I've enjoyed the time we've spent today. Uh, my name is Hunter Helms. I was born and raised in Arkansas, uh, in Pine Bluff, actually, kind of south central. Uh, Kind of grew up, just really didn't grow up duck hunting, to be honest, or waterfowl hunting at all. Um, kind of did uh, did the deer and the turkey since I was about six. That's what my dad was into. And so grew up doing that and and uh, got, I, I wouldn't say I'm great at killing deer. I'm decent at killing deer. I'm better at killing turkeys than probably anything, but I uh, probably turkey hunting is my favorite thing. But, man, I got into duck hunting. I was in college. It was 2014, 15, and had a couple buddies that they were like, hey, you know, kept bugging me to go duck hunting and whatnot. And I was just like, okay, you know, let's go give it a shot. And went, uh, went to public ground and and uh, shot a few ducks. Didn't do great by any means, but shot my first mallard that day. Saw my first group of mallards break the trees, and and I kind of understood what, it, what all it was about, you know, what everybody gets so amped up and, it's uh I really enjoyed it and just kind of went from didn't really get super big into it until about five or six years ago I guess um, started uh kind of got hooked up with um, Billy and Dennis um, Doctor Duck over there and started hunting with those guys and, and man I just learned a lot really quick and I uh, got got pretty good I'm not gonna say pretty good. I, we, we we kill a good number of birds. We have a lot of success, and uh, and uh, it's uh, just learned a lot from them. And and to be honest, also owe a lot from um, my time at UAM when I was wildlife management and I was banding ducks and under Doug Osborne over there, I, I was able to learn duck habits and and kind of how they worked in the woods and and how they did certain things, and and I was able to kind of figure out what ducks do in the woods. And, and, and I was able to, to imitate that while I was hunting. And uh, it's that, that's helped me bring me a lot of success as well. Um, so I'm still pretty fairly new in the waterfowl game. I'm, when I tell people that, they're like, you know, that's it's kind of crazy how far you've come in such a short period of time. But I'm also not one of those people. I don't, I don't think I know everything. If I don't learn something in the woods every time I go, I feel like it was kind of a failure to be honest, whether the hunt was successful or not. And so I just, I'm like a sponge out there, regardless if I'm deer, turkey, duck hunting, anything. If I, even if I'm just in the woods tromping around, I'm, I'm looking at stuff. I'm trying to figure, lay the land out, um, stuff like that. So I'm, I'm always constantly learning. And feel like in hunting and really to be in life in general, that's, that's how you be successful. Is you never get too hard headed or think that, you know, you know everything or that you know, whatever it may be uh, in life or hunting or anything. You just always need to be trying to uh, to soak up new knowledge and figure things out. So I'm still learning, still learning. Absolutely, I think uh, we're in a very humbling game <laughs> that is duck hunting or hunting in general because you can uh, might get lucky and think you know everything, go out and. You hit it right the one time, and then next time you'll sure enough be humbled and have a humbling experience when you hardly see a bird. A hundred and ten percent, you know, waterfowl's bad about that, but I, I don't 
if you're, I know you're a big turkey guy. I don't know if you're a big deer guy or not, but a big mature whitetail or, or a, a long beard will definitely humble you in a heartbeat. Yeah. Used to be like, like you said, grew up turkey and deer and then got into duck hunting. So I don't deer hunt anymore. I'm just too ate up with waterfowl at this point. Fair enough. Traveling from, you know, October, you know, going north and then, you know, coming down, finishing out in Arkansas. I just don't, hadn't ever had the want to deer hunt since I started duck hunting. And other people are different, like you, like Adam, you know, would, you know, if they go duck hunting in the morning, they'll go deer hunting in the afternoon or something like that. Mm -hmm. Not me. I don't. I don't care nothing for it. I'll, I'll nap in the afternoons. I mean, that's just how little I care about it. But I mean, I'm just consumed by it. I, it just gets me a different way, I guess. Now, yeah, I, I I try to get at least one good deer kill before duck season just to kind of get my feel for it. Yeah, and I may I may shoot a few does early. I, I ain't shot anything yet. Season just opened in Arkansas uh, last weekend, but it's been too hot for me. And it doesn't look like it's cooling off anytime soon. Well, I'm telling you, we need a cool off and we need a rain. My food plots are looking like the desert. It's, it's, it's uh, rough. Well, we got spoiled there. Thought we're, we were going to end our summer pretty early. We were looking at mid-70s for the highs. And at least for the next 10 days, every high is in the 90s. It's low 90s, but it's still the 90s. Yeah, hey, we got humbled. It's very disappointing <laughs> to see because I thought we were coming down with with some cool, cool fall weather, and I think everybody, whether you're a hunter or not, gets excited for cool weather because of how brutal it is down here in the summer. Right. And we were we were talking earlier, and I've told everybody about it. For one, uh, because you can't hunt it because it's in city limits, but the uh, on the Arkansas side of the 40 bridge, and for those that you don't know, that's the big bridge that runs from Arkansas to Memphis. I, uh, something I've never seen before, and everybody that I've shown and told about it has never seen before. Uh, last week um, is when we kind of came off of that cool front, started to heat up again. But a uh, in a dry rice field, man, the, it, three to five hundred mallards feeding in a dry rice field in mid September, and just blew my mind. And I've been back three or four times just to watch them and. I think maybe this heat has maybe pushed them back where they should be <laughs> at this time of year because it's just a few mallards hanging around and mostly wood ducks that are surprisingly still in a dry field. I saw them again this morning, so I know I know there's still some birds out there hanging out, but that just uh, if you if you didn't have video proof of that, I, I'd have to say you're hallucinating, Zach. But yeah, he showed me the video, and I, I'm it, they were sure enough dry field feeding. In what it, I guess we'll say beginning of October, pretty much. It's the end of September. So that's yeah. just, first off, I don't even see Mallard's dry feeding in Arkansas, period, unless it's froze solid. Yep. And I mean, coincidentally, they were there after we had a little rain shower uh, the day before. Uh -huh. uh, and you might have had a puddle. A little sheet water. <laughs> not even. I mean, I, I literally, <laughs> when I, I was out there watching them, did not see any standing water in that field. It was completely dry. I would have not have – I would have drove my truck in that field. That's how dry it was. I mean, even after it was a rice field and been sitting on water, it was – Right. I mean, I walked out to the edge of it, and it's, it's bone dry out there. But That's crazy. Yeah, it, I mean, it, I think that was God playing a, just a mean joke on me. <laughs> <laughs> Knowing that I've been, you know, hearing from my buddies up north that have been uh, having some early success, you know, mostly with honkers, uh, some with teal. Uh, I know that early duck or the first of the duck season uh, for a lot of states up north has just opened or is about to open, and I'm getting kind of antsy, to say the least, about wanting to shoot something. Uh, me personally, I'm going to Minnesota the end of October, um, to shoot honkers and ducks, and so I, I'm, and I'm still. It, it's less than a month out, but feels like forever. And then what I think me and you are both looking forward to more than anything is Arkansas. Um, man, it's just it's looking everything besides the water right now mm -hmm. looks like a recipe for success this year. Yeah, they're they're saying uh, supposedly severe. Cold weather is what the Farmer's Almanac says, but I also feel like they say that every year. Yeah. But now I will say the past two years, 
even with a little bit of hot spells it's been. And it's, I mean, I think last year we went through two pretty hard freezes, I think. Mm-hmm. And um, it was uh, in in the public woods, it, I mean, a lot of places, you know, you can't do anything with it. You might as well not even go if it's hard freeze. But, uh, you know, a uh, place where I hunt a lot and frequent a lot, there's, uh, there's a little bit of current running through some spots. And, you know, that day after Christmas, it was, uh, everything was locked up and, we knew where a spot was. It had some current ripping it, and uh, it was. Uh, they put on a show. Yeah, we shot our five or six man limit. I think it was six guys. Pretty quickly. I mean, we didn't even shoot into the big groups. Yeah. Uh, but when that hard freeze comes and you find some open water, you can you can really get after them. Well, I mean, even kind of hitting on that even more is that a lot of things that I'm seeing um, reports, I guess, from guys. I mean, even North Canada. Um, about the snow goose migration mm-hmm. is larger and earlier than a lot of these people are saying than it's ever been in their lifetimes. Right. Well, you know, um, I told you I heard a speck the other day opening a dove. I was in Malden, Missouri. Yeah. Had a dove fit. Heard a speck. And another thing, when I was out there looking at these ducks, maybe it's just that I've never noticed it because I've never cared to. And maybe I should. Like, that's what you're talking about. You should always be a sponge and absorbing knowledge. But right. the blackbirds. I don't know if you've noticed it. I've noticed it out there. Usually opening day of duck season onward, there are just millions of blackbirds. Mm -hmm. And and they migrate. They Mm -hmm. they come with, I don't say they come with the ducks, but, you know, they they come down. Dude, there are droves of blackbirds already. And I don't know if that's just me and everybody listening. Maybe some of you older guys are like, dude, those birds are literally here from from August till February, but right. no, I, I 100% agree with that. I, I haven't really paid any attention this year because I've, I've been so busy and keep my head down and grinding. Uh, I have a new business that I'm having a baby, but um, I, I haven't noticed that. But I, I do notice what you're talking about. It is, it seems like during that migration period, it's just like to come out, and I'm like, where did they all come and from? And they're annoying, man. They, uh, they'll get flocked up in those trees, and they are so loud you can't talk to the dude standing beside you. but when I was out there looking at them, I'm looking in the distance over the treetops, and there's just droves and droves and droves, hundreds of thousands of blackbirds already. And like I said, maybe I don't notice it. Maybe they're here every year, but I know the mallards aren't. I know there wasn't 500 mallards, right. you know, in a dry field in Arkansas. That's not normal. Right. And people are trying to tell me they're locals. I, I don't. Not I, not that many is local. I don't. No there's way. no way. There's no way that many grouped up and just knew there was a. Right. A rice field that had been cut, and they just all came from all over the city of Memphis and stuff. I just – because, I mean, I drive through Memphis every day. There's no – Right. There's Your local ducks are two to four per pond. Right. Maybe. Not drive feeding in a no. rice field. 500 of them, and they see that many blackbirds. I think the birds are trying to tell us something that – I sure hope so. And, and I, like you said, the Farmer's, Farmer's Almanac is calling for a – substantially colder winter everywhere not just down here i think it's everywhere and then even more on that dude i saw something the other day and it was the craziest thing and there was terminology in there that i've never seen before but something saying that the volcanic eruption somewhere has put ashes into the air that have gone to the polar regions I'm telling you, it was the weirdest thing ever, but it made so much sense. And I can't tell you exactly how it was worded. It was a tweet, a thread of tweets that I read, and it was a uh, meteorologist that retweeted all this stuff. And he was like, expect a cold winter. Because, like, something happened, and that, like, jump-started this cold season. I don't know. I I mean, it it definitely could – it definitely makes sense. Right. I mean – I don't know, but like I tell people all the time, we it, weather is cyclical. It always has been. I know I'm a young guy. You're a young guy, but weather is cyclical. You'll have your, we'll just say, you know, three to six years where it's burning hot every winter. Like, you know, Christmas and Thanksgiving is 70 degrees. You can sit outside on the porch and eat your mm-hmm. Thanksgiving dinner, Christmas dinner. Last year was not that case. Right. Christmas was so cold that stuff in my truck started breaking. Um Literally, it, it dropped 30 degrees in 45 minutes here mm-hmm. last year. Uh, I think the day before Christmas, maybe. Um, I 
think so. I actually, I th- it may have been a couple of days for that because I, so. I don't even think I hunted those those last two days before Christmas, whatever, because it was so cold. I'm like, I'm not even dealing with this. Yeah, and like stuff. I mean, temperatures that we have not seen, but a few times in me and your lifetime. Right. You know, during duck season, February, you know, it'll it'll get on cold in February. Right. But you know, I. <laughs> I like to be positive. Usually, when I'm positive, my hopes just get just destroyed and shredded. But if last year was any indication, it got cold. It did. Maybe that's just meaning that we're coming out of a the cyclical season of you know warm weather during the winter because everybody's like, oh, the flyways have shifted, and you know there's heated ponds, and there might have something to do with that. You know, a little bit everywhere of you know there's more duck habitat that's available during the winter farther north. But I, I'm fully under the implication that it's weather. A- unless oh, every bit of water is frozen and unless every bit of food is covered by snow, why would they leave? Right. Why would they make the journey down here? I mean, the majority of them. You still get your birds that are going to migrate every year, even though, even if it was 80 degrees across the country year-round, they're going to come. But Oh, 100%. But I, I fully believe it has to do with weather, and I don't know, man. I, I'm riding the wave that it's going to be a normal winter this year with normal migrating birds, and I think the – here's my argument to the flyway shifting, and I could be dead wrong. I'm not a wildlife biologist, waterfowl specialist by any means, but if a flyway shifted, why, is, why, why would we not be shifting with it? Why would not – why was – I don't know how I'm trying to say this. My words are getting well. So he, he, here, here's my take on the flyway shifting. I, I think, <clears throat> you know, you think back. Let's just think back 20 years ago. There, there you know, there was Facebook. There really was. There was no Instagram. There, there was, you know, really no social social media usage going on. And you know, there were still birds in Oklahoma, Kansas, all that central flyway. But they never. It never was like publicly shown until Instagram became right. a big thing and, and, and you know content became a big thing and everybody started putting this stuff out. So uh, I, I think I think the flyway shifts back and forth depending on what you said, the habitat that's available. You look at last year, Oklahoma was bone dry. Mm-hmm. And I saw a thing the other day where a lot of central flyway states like Kansas, Oklahoma, like their their harvest numbers were down like significantly because yeah. there was no water. Yeah. You know, those ducks can easily shift over to central shift over to the Mississippi Flyway or on over to the what is that, the Pacific Flyway or Atlanta? I, I get them mixed up. Yeah, you got over your Atlantic, your Mississippi, your yeah. Central, and then your whatever's west over there. Yeah. Um so uh I one hundred percent think that it is it, it is all dictative on weather like you said and habitat that's available um you know to coincide with what you're talking about the weather thing um if i'm not mistaken uh, i think a, ma- a mallard will will stay in a spot for almost a week with a fro with no food no water before it decides to go because mm-hmm. i mean why would he if there's food available and there's water available and there's cover available they ain't got to go nowhere that's exactly, and I, I preach that I will die on that hill. That it's every bit to do with weather. Mm-hmm. I will die on the hill that weather is cyclical. Whether I don't, and I can't put a specific time period on it. I just personally believe it could be anywhere from five to ten years. Let's just say, and I mean, because even growing up deer hunting, somehow the deer hunting would be better, you know, after a certain cycle of weather or. Mm-hmm whatever it may be, um, I, I, I will fully believe that. And like I said, I'll die on that hill that I, if the mig- if the flyways have shifted, why is everybody in Arkansas not in Oklahoma and Kansas and Nebraska mm-hmm. year-round? Right. Like, why are we wasting our time over here if the flyway has shifted to over there? Right. I mean, I understand there's not as many birds here. Right. I understand there's not as many birds over there either, you know, right. as, as it used to be. Um I mean, that has a lot to do with, I mean, there's a lot more sanctuary ground now than there used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's you know, that's a whole other topic of, of sanctuaries and, you know, refuges. And, I mean, with the duck numbers the way they are, that's a very important thing to have that ducks can actually go rest. 
Right. Um, I mean, especially like with, like you said, how popular this sport has become through social media. It's the cool thing to do. I mean, it's it is the cool thing to do, I guess now. But it, I mean, it's people got a taste of it and they know how fun it is. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't blame somebody for wanting to do what you do. Right. I mean, how can I get mad at somebody else for enjoying the same thing I enjoy? Hundred percent. I mean, you know, and that's I, I've preached on this podcast several times that the the bickering and the the, the pissing matches that we have nowadays is just absolutely pathetic. And we've talked about it earlier when you first got here and we were chatting about, you know, people think you got to wear a certain brand of waiter. You got to shoot a certain gun. You got to drive a certain boat Mm -hmm. to, to kill ducks or you not even, I guess not even really to kill ducks to just look cool doing it. Right. And I mean, I'll go back. And of course I, everybody wants to have the nice things. Of course. I mean, everybody wants to be wearing a good pair of waders. Everybody wants to have a nice boat. I it's, mean, it's human nature. Right. It's human nature. But I mean, at the same time, and I'll go back to this all the time, is how were our grandparents doing it? Right. They were going out there in a flat bottom John boat with a 9 9 on the back of it and their solid colored waders and their flannel, red flannel shirt mm-hmm. and a baseball cap. And they were doing the same thing we're doing now and head to toe. Sitka or Shen or Drake or whatever, right. you know, we're wearing. And, you know, they, most times they didn't have a piece of camo on them. Right. You know, camo wasn't even really a thing until, like, probably our parents, you know, were were, were kids at the time where you had your OG Bottomland, your OG uh, Realtree Original and stuff like that. I mean, those were kind of like the staples of the game back in the day was the Realtree Original and the OG Bottomland and stuff. And, I mean, that wasn't – like I said, a thing until they were kids. And right. then you actually now start, started to get patterns, you know, in the early 2000s, late 1990s, I guess, that mm-hmm. were – Well, if you think about like hardwoods uh, and stuff. I don't know if you ever looked at, like, some old duck hunting pictures, like back when, like, duck hunting was, like, a marketing – like, mm-hmm. it was market hunting. Dude, those guys were, like, going out in top hats and, and bow ties and ties and vests. And, I yeah. mean, dude, like, literally, like, you dressed up to go hunting. Yeah. And, and you know, now, granted – I'm a firm believer in this, and I will always be a firm believer in this. And until someone proves me otherwise, I I am a firm believer in natural selection as far as wild animals getting smarter and harder to kill over the years. Like uh, my dad, he'll (laughs) he'll make fun of me over, you know, something. He's like, son, that ain't going to help you kill deer. I was like, no, you're right. I was, he's like, you know, I, I used to go out in a red flannel and a lean-to tree stand that's 10 foot off the ground, or I'll sit on the ground and i kill a pile of deer. I'm like, hey, I get that, but let's think about this. The deer that he's killed and that our grandparents have killed and our dads have killed and, the fam- you know, all these deer that have been killed over the years, all those, their sense of smell is probably not as good eyesight may not be as good so all the smart ones that have survived have passed those genes on mm-hmm. and i truly firmly believe that turkeys have better eyesight and better hearing than they did back then i think deer have a better sense of smell hearing eyesight than they did back then i think ducks are the same way um and i, I think any i think a house i think it's same applies for a house cat or a dog or anything like that they're probably digressed from what they used to be Right, 100%. I mean, you, you think about a dog breeder. A dog breeder is breeding the certain genetics that they want. Mm-hmm. Good eyesight, obedience, you know. Drive. Drive, calmness, Absolutely. you know, whatever it may be. They're do, like they're literally doing that. Mm-hmm. So I will, as you say, down the hill, and I will go down swinging, and I'll argue with anybody that natural selection is a huge thing. And I, I truly believe that, that ducks or anything is, is becoming – harder to kill that that there's certain things that you have to do however i do not think that a certain brand shotgun a certain brand of shells a certain brand of decoys boat i don't think any of that will help you kill ducks it's a matter of you having the arts outsmart mother nature absolutely i mean that kind of going back to the why why are, where are the ducks are they not migrating are they quote-unquote shifting flyways are they sitting on a heated pond and and South Dakota. They're smart, yeah. unless they have no food, water, or cover, they're, they're not moving. It's something I tell a lot of people, and, I mean, this is, is this applies directly. You know, let's think about this. Okay, it's 8 o'clock at night. You're hungry. I've got a McDonald's that's 
two blocks down the road or whatever, or I've got a Chick-fil-A that's seven blocks. Eight o'clock at night, I'm going to McDonald's every single time. Yeah. Do I want Chick-fil-A? Of course I do. Yeah. God, who doesn't? But I'm going to go to that easier option. So yeah. why uh, Mother Nature is the exact same way. All, all the, all the wild animals are exactly the same way. They are not going to leave or travel further than they have to or anything. Uh, you know, it, it's just not going to happen. Yeah, I mean, and that's another thing. You, like you're saying that, you know, obviously wildlife has gotten smarter. They're, they've adapted. You know, <laughs> kind of pause on this. You, you know, we've probably got a biologist that's going to listen to this and be like, these guys are actual retards oh but <laughs> probably my old mentor doug osborne yeah. listened to it and be like i didn't he didn't listen to anything that i told him or, right. or or maybe maybe he'll be proud of me i don't know doug if you're listening to this give me a call let me know <laughs> yeah but could it be that ducks are taking their chances on brutal habitat to not get shot at down here i mean that just theoretical something to ponder on i have no idea right i mean we're sitting here talking about it, it might as well be discussed like could that actually be the case that, you know, they know that season's out. You know, they're not getting pressured anymore. Right. Come, you know, January in North Dakota. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, at that point, you know, your big lakes are locked. Your small water's been locked. Um, I mean, there there's people talking about up in Alberta. There's, I mean, city ponds that, you know, with fountains that are, you know, <laughs> they're keeping this water open and birds are staying up there. Year round, right? Because I mean, it, it, it's it's available water, and yeah. so I mean they're going to stay there. Yeah, I mean, I wish I had the charts in front of me, like of you know snowfall the last ten years, and just say Calgary, Alberta. Mm-hmm. I mean, just just for reference to see if it's less or more, and you know, like the duck numbers from down here, if it's any different. But I mean, that's there's so many speculations, and I mean, there's actually a, a band study that came out just a couple of months ago that kind of just absolutely shot dead the the theory of flyway shifting is these banded mallards that have not at all or these you know the backpack trackers mm-hmm. that these banded mallard or tracked mallards have not at all moved oh 100 percent um, like I, I i think the the whole argument of flyway shifting i i, I just don't think it's an argument <laughs> I, I, That's I, just my personal opinion. Like I said, th- there's no science that proves it. There's yeah, no there. study that proves it. I, I think it's just a combination of several things that and people just kind of applied or insinuated or whatever. I mean, you want you want a logical reason for birds not being here like they used to be. Mm-hmm. I mean, and off the top of your head and just thinking, it's like, well, maybe they've gone somewhere else. That's a logical explanation. Well. Mm-hmm. I'm just I think I'm set on the fact that they're just not coming down as far because come come February when maybe it is time to come down here they are here. Mm-hmm. I mean you can go around the oh, whole state. Everywhere. You can go around the whole state of Arkansas and there's ducks in every single mm-hmm. bit of water that's down there. Um, right. So I, 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 that I, that's just my uh, theory I, on it. I wish I wish the federal government would take away or federal government and AGSA would take away November and give us half of February. But that'll never happen because that'll that'll impede on the pairing up and, yeah. and, and it, the migration back and all that. I mean, and you do. you, And it, it, that is legitimate. You get into late January and you watch, like you said, be a sponge, always be taking notes. Watch how many more pairs of ducks you got working in mm-hmm. versus singles and larger groups mm-hmm. versus earlier in the year. Right. I mean, not saying there aren't pairs that you're going to uh, – a hen and a drake that come in early in the year. But of you course. get into late season, especially in some thicker timber. Oh, you know, yeah, it's, it's twos, fours, sixes, it, you know, it, and it's, it's that. it's three drakes, three hens a lot of times. Yeah. Or it's, you know – Four drakes, two hens, and you know two are going to be out of luck. Yeah. That and you start seeing some courtship flights right. of uh, the ones that are the drakes that are. You'll have twelve, fifteen, sixteen drakes, or maybe less. You know, chasing one hen, yep. and and if y'all never seen a courtship flight, you've probably seen it, and you just didn't know what it was. It is the wildest thing you will ever watch, and good luck calling to those ducks because you ain't getting them in there unless you can. If you talk that hen into it. Mm-hmm. They will all give it up and not even think twice about it, and you can rain them out. Something that just gets me going 
and I love it more than anything I think in duck hunting is when you can get that hen to talk back to you mm-hmm. just like a turkey will gobble back at you. 100%. Because if you can get her talking to you, I mean, get her interested, get her pissed off, just like a hen, like right. a hen turkey. Mm-hmm. You get her talking and pissed off, That I literally killed one this year for that exact reason because I pissed that hen off enough to get her close enough to where the gobblers broke. Mm-hmm. Two gobblers broke and came in at 12 yards and I curbs don't one of them. Nice. And yeah, so like when the hen God, talk, what a feeling. Yeah, when the hen talks back to you in the woods, because it's just like for one, you're like crap. I really don't sound anything like that on a duck call because she sounds like a hen mallard does mm-hmm. in the woods. And when she gets below them treetops and she, mm-hmm. you're just like, oh my god. And it's, and it's almost <laughs> like you don't realize how loud turkeys are until they're. Within a hundred yards of you, oh, and, and you can hear it in their chest when they get 70, 50 to seventy yards, mm-hmm. and you can hear it rattling them. You don't realize how loud a mallard hen is right. until she's below the treetops and she's talking to you, and it's just like, my God, she's screaming at me. Oh yeah, I mean there, you know, it's it can, that kind of coincides with the whole theory or myth or, or whatever that you know when you're finishing ducks, when they start breaking the trees, don't say anything. I mean that's. Sometimes that's the case, sometimes it's not. It's just depending on how them ducks feel that day. That day. And I tell people that, I'll die on that hill too. Some of the best hunts I've ever had, I've had to swallow my pride and put the duck call down. Mm -hmm. And I hate doing it because that, calling ducks and watching a dog work, I I honestly don't have to pick up my gun. Mm -hmm. Like if I can just, you know witness that stuff and and be be involved in that stuff. And more specifically, my dog working, you know, and – but yeah, I, it, it's a hundred percent how the and for some reason, I mean, it's just like when you're working birds, that first group is a really good indicator mm-hmm. of how they're gonna lighten your spread that day, like what side of the hole they're wanting that day, and obviously the wind has a lot to do with it. But you know, they get below the treetops, and the wind's kind of not a factor anymore, right? Um, and are they gonna light? You know, where there's an actual hole. Or are they going to just disperse through the woods? I mean, sometimes they'll just, you know, they won't flap their wings and they'll hit the water right on oh, top they, of your They decoys. get right over top of the hole and just parachute straight down. I, I've seen some crazy things over the years that, especially a single drake, buddy, they do some weird stuff. Yes, they do. They, they, they will come in backwards to the wind and just get in the hole and then do a 360 and not even flap their wings and hit the water. I, I've, I've seen a lot of it. It's, it's kind of mind-blowing, to be honest, that they, they, that they can even do that. But, uh, but no, uh, 100%. It's it, – and I'm also a big um, um, advocate of not only do ducks do different things different days – Every group of ducks is different. Mm-hmm. Every single group of ducks is different. That's just like if you're calling to a turkey. Every turkey's different. It, you know, one may want light calling. One may want heavy calling. May turkey may want you to cut a lot. They may not want you to say anything other than scratching the leaves. Ducks the same way. Duck may just want to hear a drake whistle and water kicking. The next group may want it all the way to the water. Mm-hmm. It, it, you have you have to read ducks, and that kind of goes back to talking about earlier about equipment and certain things don't kill ducks calling knowing when to call how to read ducks how to work ducks all that that kills ducks right and also and then scouting of course which one um place that i hunt a lot you can scout sometimes it does you good sometimes it does it's more trafficking ducks Mm -hmm. And uh, that's what I really like about it, to be honest. I, I like the interaction. I like the calling, and plus I like the competition of the other guys around me because I, I want to out-call them and, and beat them. And I know that sounds bad. I'm just – I've been like that my whole life. I'm a competition guy. That's what you got to do. I 100%. Mean, if, if you're trying to be the nice guy and just let them call it the ducks, they're going to kill the ducks. 100%. Unless you've got some yahoos in the hole next to you that will not shut up on the duck call. Mm-hmm. And I literally last year um, we were – hunting a block of woods, and uh, we there's, I don't know, there's a few holes in that area, and we would just hold jump, and each day we'd kill the ducks and just kind of hold jump all the way around. People were shot chasing just behind, and we were still killing them. Well, we got one of the last days there of, of that little spell. Uh, we got into a hole that we never hunted before, knew it was there, but we had an east wind. East wind is super, like, you don't hardly get them. 
not a whole lot of holes set up for an east wind. However, I did find a hole the other day that sets up for an east wind, and it's going to be bad to the bone. But anyway, so had an east wind, so we went to this one hole, and uh, there's another hole beside us that I've I seen on the map, never hunted, never paid much attention to, but there were some guys in it, and, dude, the ducks just wanted in there so bad, but the guys just kept wailing on their calls. Like, it, it was even affecting us, like, two or 300 yards away. Which, by the way, we were in the hole first, and those guys slid into that one. So, you know, don't roast me for saying that I set up next to people that close. But, um, but I mean, th- they could have killed 20 lemmings that day. It was unreal how bad they wanted that hole. But they just kept wailing at the ducks. And they and, and they come over and work us for a little bit. And they, you know, about to finish. And they just keep wailing, and which is completely fine. Um the ducks go back to them work, and they eventually just go off. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was so frustrating. But they, fi- I guess they finally got frustrated and just kind of quit calling. And uh, and there was a group of ducks that came over them, big group of ducks. They wailed at them. They spooked them off. They came over. And they, they, sh- they shut up. They came over to us, and we worked them. Now, it took us about 10, 15 passes. And really the only reason we killed the ducks because there was a pair that just come dropping in from the heavens. And that big group followed them, and we rained them out. And uh, uh, we, I, I kind of jacked up, like, yeah, went to hollering and stuff, and, and I think I kind of said something along the lines of, that's how you call ducks. And uh, <laughs> that's the competition side of me coming out. And, and whoever the guys were, if y'all heard me, I'm, I'm sorry, but uh, I was just pretty jacked up. It was, man, that, just that one group right there made the whole morning. And, uh, and that's all it takes sometimes, too. People think you got to – I mean, we we were talking about it earlier, like as far as the pitch and matches go. I mean, it, it's all about the truck you drive, the boat that's on the trailer, it, the waders that you're standing, mm-hmm. shotgun you shoot, what you're shooting, Camel the decoys. Pattern, wear, it, it, everything. It, it, every, everybody thinks if you don't believe what they do, that, that you're gum on the bottom of their shoe or you're not as worthy of them. But to be honest – some of the best duck hunters in the public woods will roll in there with an old express boat with neoprene waders on and some 2,000 G&H decoys and kill ducks because guess what? They, they've, they know what they're doing. They know how to call ducks and read ducks, and, and, and they're successful. And, and uh, this, I guess this is actually me publicly saying this. I, you know, we talked about it earlier. I, I am purposely going to run cheap decoys this year. Uh, they're actually game winner flex tough. I saw them the other day. They're $45 for six. A little bit smaller of a decoy, but, you know, just buy some some extras of them. Uh, but I, I'm going to run those decoys, and, I, and I'm going to prove that you don't have to have the best of it. Now, granted – I'm still going to shoot my retay. I'm, I'm partnered up with them. I'm still going to shoot that. I'm going to shoot Migra shells. But that, those two things don't help me kill ducks. Yeah. It may help me maybe be more efficient, if, that, if that's something you want to say, but that doesn't help me get the ducks in the hole. And the decoys don't help you get ducks in the hole. Um, you know, they just need to see something down there. They need to see the water moving mm-hmm. and some decoys and, and – uh, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna run those game winner decoys, cheap decoys. The the average blue collar working man can go out there and buy them, and it's not gonna break the bank. And yet I'm gonna show you you can kill ducks over. I mean, maybe maybe we need to get on a collaborative hunt this year, and I need to break out a, a lanyard full of poly calls to do the same thing to show people that you don't need a, and which we make them. I mean, we we literally make something for everybody. Hundred percent. I mean, show people that you can kill a duck with a thirty dollar double nasty. And then maybe we go out the second day and we have the $150 cut down. Mm-hmm. You can do it both ways 100%. as long as you know how to work ducks. 100%. And back to the shotgun and shot thing, what you're shooting. The conservationist in me says that if you've got a problem killing ducks in killing range, that has everything to do with your aim. Versus 100%. what you're that's, shooting. That's just like the shell limit on some of these WMAs. Like everybody, everybody complains about the shell limit. If you can't kill four mallards with fifteen shells, I, listen, I'm not the best shot. I, I'm very fortunate enough. I get to hunt a lot. 
uh, yeah, I think I hunted 55 days last year, and I get to shoot my gun a lot. And but there are some days you can ask my buddies that I can't hit the broadside of a barn. It just happens. Yeah. But if but I can kill four mallards with 15 shells. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, to be honest, I'm a huge advocate advocate of it. I wish where I hunted it was a shell limit. Yeah. Because guess what? That's going to cut down on the tree topping. That's going to cut down on the woody shooting. That's going to cut down on all that. Absolutely. Now, listen, if you want to shoot some woodies, that's fine. I'm not knocking you for that. Yeah. They ban those too. But, dadgummit, it is adver- it is aggravating when I'm working a 50-count of mallards over the tree, big old group of mallards, and, and somebody shoots at a screaming woody two holes away, and uh, it flares them. But, hey, like I said, more power to you. They're good eating. I, I wish I kind of shot more of them, to be honest, but I just um, – I'm – Slightly a mallard purist, to be honest. It's just what I like shooting. Yeah, I mean, and I've shot, I would say, my fair share of wood ducks in my day. I mean. Hey, there was one day, not last year, but the year before, we went to uh, we went to a WMA that you frequent a lot. And my buddy was like, hey, we're on them. I'm like, all right, bet I'll be there. I was, it was around Christmas time. I was, I was back home. And uh, we went in there. Buddy, I didn't even see hardly a mallard flying, but let me tell you, the wood ducks were just all over us, and I said, I'm I'm fixing to make my time worth it. And we shot, I think we shot a three or four-man limit of wood ducks, which, what what is the wood limit? Three Mm -hmm. now? See, I I don't even know what the limit is. I don't hardly shoot them. But I'm going to tell you, I made it worth getting up at 2 o'clock in the morning. You know, I just was decided to take advantage of it, and we did. It's just, um, you know, like I said, I just I'm big advocate of the of the shell limit. I, I just feel like it would help a lot. It does. I mean, if you say it doesn't, there's no way it doesn't. Because right. for one, I've never been. I mean, I'd say I've never. Maybe when I first started doing all I was doing tree top, and I'm like, they're at the top of the trees. That's shooting distance. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you're not. It's it's the same thing when we talked about earlier with with turkey hunting. It's not. It's about woodman, woodsmanship. Mm-hmm. It's about knowing that you got the better of that wild animal 100%. and got him. I mean, if he's below treetop, in my opinion, if he's in the hole below treetop, if you got him that far, because it, they know, mm-hmm. they know when they break the trees, they've. Now I can't tell you how many. Birds I've had that have broke the trees, and like just slightly and got out. Dip down, I mean, yeah. yeah. They dip in and dip out. Mm-hmm. But if if you know in your mind that you've committed, or these birds have committed to you, and they're in the hole and they're not just you know dipping through, they're backpedaling, mm-hmm. and they're starting to get below them. Have at it. Oh, hundred I mean, percent. I mean, yeah, I, I see that all the time with just ducks dipping in the hole. Now, now for like me, me and myself, I. I kind of give myself a threshold. If, if they if they dip down below halfway, yeah, and they pick up, I usually give that group one time to do that. Absolutely. The next time they do that, never do it more than I call, twice. I call the shot. Absolutely. Now, now, I feel like a single is a little bit different. If he dips down two or three times, because usually a single is going to finish way quicker than a group of ducks. And if he doesn't finish that first, like. Two to three passes. If he does that one more time, and it and it, he may be just a little under treetop, but I know if I can kill him, I'm going to shoot him. Yeah. So it, as long as there's not another group of ducks working us or whatever. Oh yeah. Um. But like I said, I, I kind of give myself that threshold that that's just personally for me what what I want. I want them below. If I shoot them as they're dipping down in the hole, I want them below halfway. Yeah. Preferably, I just assume water swat them. That's what I like to do. Way more efficient that, that way, dude. That's what. <laughs> there's people, and you know that there's a movie coming out soon, um, The Blind mm-hmm. with Phil Robertson, and it's been it's been all over my TikTok. Yeah, all over. It, I can't wait to watch it. It looks oh, it's like gonna it's going to be great. Be great. Mm-hmm. Um, with that being said, Phil is not a water swatter believer. I mean, he is, which is funny to me. You know, I, I saw that they like that clip it or, or saw somebody talking about that, and in the Duckman videos, like they're shooting birds on the water. Maybe it wasn't Phil. Maybe it was somebody in the Duck Commander. Maybe so. Group Maybe that, so. That doesn't water swat them or something. Maybe I'm talking crazy, but I know 
I know for a fact I saw it. No, like, no, were, I know. Where I, they were I, talking about. 100%, I, I remember I want to say sure. it was Phil when he still had black beard and black hair talking about it. he mm-hmm. does not water swat. And it's just like, man, if you've tricked them that far, you've done your part. You, I mean, you, you've, you've done your job. And, and to me, it is your job to be, to make as ethical kill as possible. Yeah. Same way with, with shooting a deer, shooting a turkey. I, I shoot TSS. Absolutely. I, I don't, I don't shoot TSS. To kill them at 80 yards, I, I've killed a few. That's probably I shouldn't have shot at, but I was out of state, and it was getting close to that nut-cutting time, and I was like, you know what? I have confidence that I can kill them that far, and, and, and I and I have. But, um, you know, that TSS, it's, it's not built to kill turkeys at 60-plus yards. It's it's built to make a more ethical kill, and, maybe, you know, maybe that turkey is in a little bit of a thicket, and you've got to shoot through some stuff. You've got five hundred pellets mm-hmm. going at him, and I, I mean that's that's what that is. That is made to be a more ethical hunter. Now some people abuse that and shoot him at 70, 80 yards, mm-hmm. and, and I don't believe in that. I had now me being from Arkansas, and you know, I'm firm believer you can kill a turkey in Arkansas you can kill a turkey anywhere. Probably the same way with Mississippi. It's uh, tough. Yeah, and uh, and so you know, I have had some that have hung up on a big knoll or something, you know, sixty yards away. And, you know, he gives me a good, clean shot. I know that I can make that shot. I, I shoot a, a Jeb's choke, and I shoot a Burris fast fire. Like, I, I have built turkey guns, and I, I build some for other people and stuff. And and uh, I, I know what my gun can do, and I know if I have, especially if I've hunted that bird three or four days, I'm like, you know, this may be my only opportunity to kill this bird. Maybe my only opportunity to kill one in Arkansas at all that year. And, I, you know, if I know I make the shot, I'm going to make the shot. Yep. And uh, but now I'm not, not with me saying that I'm not saying go out there and shoot 60, 70, be done. If that turkey's coming, let him come. Shoot him at ten. Uh, the uh, I've uh, I've always wanted to take dove loads out there and shoot them at fifteen, twenty steps. Yeah, you know, just give myself that challenge. But uh, but anyway, I I feel like if you your job as a hunter to make a quick, clean, ethical kill, and I think if you put those birds on the water. You have done your job, mm-hmm. and you you can make a good, clean kill while they're on the water. You're not going to wound them, or, or you know, cripple them or anything like that. Um, it's just, you know, people say it's not sportsman's like. It may not be. It may not be the sportsman's thing to do in a sense, but I think it is the ethical thing to do. I'm telling you, and we had this conversation about turkey hunting out of state. I'm going to do what I got to do right. to fill my limit. I'm not gassing the truck up, gassing the boat up. Spending all this money on all this stuff to be like, oh man, they hit the water. If they'd have just, right. If I could have just pulled up on them right before they hit the water, dude, I'm I'm going out there to kill my four ducks, or six ducks, you know, anywhere else. That that is my mission. It, it's not to post pile pictures. That's not my mission. It's it, it's not my mission to get in a pissing match with, oh, I wear this and you wear that, and my boat does this and your boat don't do that, dude. I'm not. I'm not in it for that. I can't stand that. I, I think it's just society as a whole today, and I th- it's not our indi- it just our industry. It's you know Louis Vuitton and Prada and all that oh, stuff. It, it's it's, it's across it's across the whole board, whether yeah. it's baseball or golf or hunting Absolutely. industry or anything. It's 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 all about that. And and one thing that I will say that that Billy and Dennis preach so much is is the fact that you know we're all on the same team. We, we, uh, you know, our, our, our government and, and all these people and, and certain, you know, groups in their society and stuff, they, they, they try to take away hunting rights and gun rights and everything, when in reality they, they, they don't even know what goes on. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, we already have to fight that battle. We don't need to have essentially an internal civil war amongst ourselves because of, what truck we drive or what gun we shoot or what shells we shoot or decoys or anything like that. You know, now, now granted, I mean, I've, I've had some run-ins with some people before that, you know, have, uh, you know, I may have beat them to the hole that morning or something. And when I say that, I don't shot chase or anything. Maybe it's just, maybe I could have hunted a mile from there. Didn't even know they shot ducks in there that day. I just know on certain winds, certain holes are good in my area. And I'm like, Hey, I'm going to go hunt that hole. And maybe I beat them to that. And then, they, they don't like that, and, and, and I hate that. Like, you know, I try to be as nice as possible. If we don't have a lot of guys and they don't have too many, hey, we'll just hunt together. It'll be fine. 
but there's a lot of guys out there that just get their feelings hurt so easy and um, and just create mountains out of an anthill over something so small. And, and to be honest, like, I'm just out there to duck hunt with my friends, man. Just out there to enjoy time with them because, like, deer hunting, you, you don't. There's not like a, a fellowship or like a camaraderie aspect of that. When I go deer hunting, I'm going to go by myself because you know I already have not great luck deer hunting. I need the least amount <laughs> of bad luck and help as possible. But um, man, I'm just out there to have a good time. And then when drama gets built up and they're screaming matches and stuff, it just it takes the fun out. And everybody just needs to get on the same team. And same thing with, oh, dude, all these keyboard warriors. And, you know, with, with me saying that, you know, I posted a picture last year on on a uh, on a duck hunting page. I meant nothing bad by it. It was just, it was strictly just, just good, just laughing fun. D- didn't know anything. But, you know, like, I... I the, uh, I took the post down because it just became way too much. Oh, I remember saying it. It just became way too much, and there were so many people just making a huge deal about it. And and to be honest, I ended up uh, ended up being some younger kids, and uh, I've I've shook hands with both of them now, and I've told them, listen, like there's there's nothing. I have no issues with you at all. I just thought it was funny. Like, and a lot of people thought it was funny, mm-hmm. but like I Me said, being one of them. I, I just I apologize for that because I I didn't want them to feel like they were wronged in any way and it, and yeah. it wasn't the right thing for me to do, um, and so like I said I don't I don't mess with that stuff no more. Um, like I said, didn't mean anything bad by it. I just wanted to you know I wanted to talk about that because I, I don't I don't want to be talking about this and people say oh well you know I saw a post that he made making fun of somebody but like yeah. Dude, I don't make fun of nobody. Dude, it was if you're, all in good fun. Absolutely, dude. If you're out there with your friends just having a good time trying to shoot some ducks, dude, go out there and have fun, man. Don't don't worry about what people may think of the gun you shoot or waders you wear or anything, dude. Get out there and have a good time and just enjoy yourself, man. Enjoy God's creation. Um, and just, like, if you don't shoot a pile of ducks, it's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, I, I'm very, very fortunate. I get to hunt a lot, so I, I do have a lot of success because of my time that I put in the woods. That's just like hunting a big deer. If the more times you sit in the tree stand, the higher chances your odds are. Yep. And with me getting to hunt as much as I do, I learn a lot, just like we talked about, and I've learned how to be successful and do different things that other people don't do or maybe something off the wall and it's created, and, you know, it's it's brought success for me. And so, you know, just there, I think I've posted several pictures that, that aren't limits. Yeah. And and everything, but I, I don't care about limits. You know, we, we, we talk, we've talked about, like, you know, the fad and the fun thing to do is go out and, you know, and uh, – and and duck duck hunting's like a big a big fad thing right now. Turkey hunting is becoming like a big fad thing right now. But in in people and and this is also real bad about deer hunting. Somebody shoots a hundred and fifteen inch deer. There's most likely there's gonna be somebody that shames that dude for shooting that deer. When in all reality, it doesn't matter, dude. If I'm a firm, if a deer's mature, I don't care if he's hundred and eighty inches. Which I, by the way, I've never even got close to killing a deer like that. I think my biggest deer on the wall right now is like 135, 140 inches. Um, but um, dude, if if that deer makes you happy, if that turkey makes you happy, if they get you shook up, or if those three wood ducks you shot makes you get you happy and gets you worked up and, and you enjoyed it, dude, post it. Mm-hmm. Like don't don't feel bad about it at all. Don't feel absolutely no shame about it. If it's legal, and you spent the money to do it. Hundred percent, dude. Take out absolutely. We, we dude. Th- th- there's there's too much. There's too much animosity. There's too much bullying or whatever you want to call it. There's, Keyboard there's, warriors. There's, there's too much hate mm-hmm. in the hunting industry right now, and it, it's just we we don't need that. We're all on the same team. We're all out there to to try to have successful hunts, and uh, you know just need to. And like I said, the government, other people, you know, other. Uh, societal groups or whatever you want to call them, organizations, they're all out to take away our hunting rights, gun rights, all that other kind of stuff. I mean, it's literally, it's us against the world. We got one battle that 
we had to face. We don't need a civil war going on while we're trying to have a, a battle with something else. That's right. Yeah, and I, that's a, I think that's a perfect place to wrap this one up. We're coming up on the end of the hour for this one, and they've just been fun. I, th- I think Hunter's been here for several hours now. We probably could have had <laughs> a fifth, like a three-hour-long podcast on the stuff we've talked about. Oh, it would have had to have been heavily edited. Um, <laughs> but, no, dude, we've had a great time, and, man, it – put the mics and the headphones away. It just felt like we were having an, another conversation like we were in my office. Oh, dude, a hundred percent. You know, and, and I, and I kind of want to talk about this because maybe people don't know, but you know, I, it looks like we're going to partner up this year and I'm, man, I'm super excited about that. Um, you know, I, to be honest, I, I've, I've always blown, I've always blown a Mondo mm-hmm. uh, last several years and, you know, y- y'all never offered a cut down. And you know we met at the Delta Expo. Yep. Man, I, I and, and actually that weekend I, I bought a Mondo LA and I bought a Singleton, and then I came across y'all in, in the King. And dude, like I sat there and talked to the Trimble brothers for a while, and I don't know if we really got to talk much. I know you were super busy and stuff, but dude, it, it's just I, I really enjoyed the call. I really enjoyed y'all. I'm I'm a huge I'm a huge um, advocate of supporting companies. And who works for that company? Like, you know, there may be a company out there that, that wants to work with me and, and maybe I don't, you know, I don't like how they conduct business or how they treat people in the industry or whatever. And I, I don't want to work with them. I don't even care if they offer me money. I don't want to work with those guys. I want to work with a company that I believe in. I want to work with a company that I really enjoy. Uh, the, the shared time and the conversation, the camaraderie and fellowship with those people. And I, man, I, I, dude, y'all are great guys. It, that was one thing I, I noticed quickly, and it's definitely y'all made a fantastic call. By the way, I, I mean, it. if y'all y'all listen to this, y'all y'all need to get out and, and try to get your hands on one and test it out. Now, granted, listen, a cut down call isn't for everybody. It it takes a certain technique and a lot of time to master a cut down. Don't if you buy one, don't expect to master it in five minutes if you've never blown one. Even if you have blown one and you're proficient at it, every duck call is different. Yep. You got it. You gotta figure it out. So if you do buy one, don't blow it and you're like, oh, this is crap, and then blame me or Zach or whoever for it. You, you work with that call. Maybe maybe you gotta tune it a little bit. You know, lengthen your read, shorten your read, trim your read, whatever it may be. You you gotta tune the call to you. Yep. And and you correct me if I'm wrong, Zach. I mean, if somebody wants to come here and they buy a call from you, wants to come here and get it, you know, get it tuned to them, they can Absolutely. do that. Right? We would 100 percent prefer that because that way you can test it out. If you see it online, you like it, like the way it looks, like the color, like the sound file. I mean, me personally, I would 100 percent rather test something before I buy it. And you know, we can tune it up to you here. And I'm cut downs can be for anybody Mm -hmm. um like you said it takes time and practice to get the technique down it is different air presentation but it can be tuned to you and you know we've seen great success with this king and we've listened to the feedback and kind of i guess the first public knowledge is the 2.0 is coming um we kind of dabbled in that today uh running some stuff and really think it's it's going to be even better. I like it how it is. Um, honestly, I might have both of my lanyard this year. Right. Um, but, yeah, come up here. Uh, we're in Memphis. If you're coming through to Duck Hunt, Arkansas this year or coming through or you're local or whatever, yeah, for sure, come up here. Uh, let us tune it to you. Uh, let us custom engrave it for you. You know, let's just do it up nice and you know, have something that you'll be proud to own and you know, that you can take to the woods with you this year or wherever. Well, like I said, we make something for everybody, and you know, if you're not sure that you'll like a certain call, I mean, we'll we'll go through the entire lineup with you here. That's what we're here for. So, yeah, man, it, it's it's been a fun one, and I'm looking forward to the partnership this year. And you know, like well, like we were talking earlier, it's uh, it's a lot better to to do something with somebody that you can actually, you know, it's more than a, a pr- promotion. Right. spot it's a it's a friendship it's absolutely we're it, gonna it, hunt together this year hopefully several times and 
you know, um, Hunter will probably put me on more birds than I can put him on. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> but, yeah, we uh both from Arkansas and planning on uh, getting a bunch of content together and having a good time and hopefully killing some birds. Man, it, it, I'm super excited about it. Like I said, just uh, – just to work with a company that I truly believe in that has some great A guys behind it, man. I just it's it's super refreshing. I I can't I can't harp on that enough. And really looking our so far our relationship has been extremely organic. There is absolutely nothing forced with this and uh super excited about it. And I can't I think there's gonna be some big things come out of it. I think so. Well as always appreciate y'all for listening and uh, I'll apologize again for the for the <laughs> delayed posting. Um Super busy around here, which is always a good thing, but appreciate the support from all you guys. And uh, if you got any questions, please email in. Please call us. We'd love to help you out. Uh, as always, the website's www.buckgardner.com. Uh, find us on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok at BG Calls. Uh, sell on Amazon. You can find us at Bass Pro, Sportsman's Academy. I mean, you can find us just about anywhere. But if you got any specific questions, we'd love to talk to you. And, uh, again, thank you, and we'll see you next time. Thank you all.